Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Well, I thought that it would just be amazing since we are having a month of focus on unity. I thought, hey, let's preach about it, shall we? So that's what I'm going to talk about unity. Unity is not uniformity. Okay? So let's just start out with that. Because I think that people struggle with unity because if there's places that maybe you don't agree with, then you won't be able to connect your heart because you're looking at um, what the differences are that you can't connect to. And so your walk... My walk, they're not going to look alike. But we get to join up together for what we do. The, the first things first. The main things, the main things. So just like the way I live my life, you're not required to live it the same way. That's the uniformity means that um, you're exactly the same. You're just like uniform. If you see people wearing a uniform, they all look alike. Well, see, that's not the church. We are all just a whole group of people that are so different. There, We couldn't be any more different sometimes. And so I love that God set that up that way. I love that he put so many people with just some oddities and some quirks and some funny ways of seeing stuff, and they stick them together, and they're like, have great peace among you. You do that. Have fun. Figure it out. <laughs> he doesn't just do that. He does give us the, the keys. He gave us the good book and he gave us the spirit. So that we would know how to do it. I was talking to him just about denominations, church denominations, and how there's been so many splits because people have, um, they have came together and decide what they didn't agree upon and they would split into new factions. And so then consequently what that does, it, it actually releases a spirit and it's why the American church um, isn't walking in the greatest power because we've learned to disagree with things we don't agree with. So then our walk with him becomes more about um, just getting with people that try and think exactly like me so that then I can, I can be in a good place instead of really recognizing that the beauty of being... Um, being together as a unit means that I put aside the things that I'm not alike with you. I, I wrote about it the other day, but I, I join my heart together and I no longer judge you by how you're different than me. I'm able to celebrate how different we are. And then I lean on you in your places of strength and uh, you lean on me on in your yeah, in your places of weakness, you lean on me. In my places of weakness, I lean on you. And that's the beauty of the church. That's how we're supposed to be mingling together. That's how we're supp supposed to find our strength. All the while, it also scrapes things off of us that we need to have scraped off. That's all poking around everybody. 
you walk around in a room and you're getting cut by people's scratchy little tentacles that they haven't had rubbed off them yet. And it just tells me they have not been in a community because especially if you're in a community house, you get a lot of goodness scraped off you. You just do. It's beautiful. If, you, if you're married, if you have a family at home, that's what you're supposed to be doing to one another. You're supposed to be making each other better by not um, picking apart how y'all are different, but celebrating your places of difference. And so, um, you know, I love that everything about God is so purposeful and it has a flow. You know, he's not real random. He's, he's pretty systematic. And just like he has three parts, so do we have three parts. And I want to read, I want to start out of um, Psalm 133. Teresa either read it or something. She did something with it recently. Um, but I wanted to kind of expand on it just a little bit. Um, it's uh, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, Psalm 133. It's a whopping three verses, so hold on while we read the whole thing, okay? So it says, How truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. Sweet unity. Sweet unity. Do you have sweet unity or do you have like, I just got to grin and bear it. Like I'm just here in this thing and I'm just trying not to hurt you. And I'm just trying to think nice things. I'm sure that's not in this, in this place. I know that it's, it's other places, but in verse two, it says, it's as precious as the sacred scented oil, scented oil. I want to break that down just a second. Um, What's really interesting is the scented oil is not just a single scent. It's not just one scent, one, one spice that you're smelling. It's a mingling of spices that you're smelling. And it is actually five. The original anointing oil was five different spices. And what's fun about that is what else is five? The fivefold, that's fun. And also five means grace. So imagine that, don't you, oh, he's so amazing. Like everything he does parallels with each other. But it reminds me of, remember the story of Mary whenever she anointed Jesus's feet? And so we've, we've talked about it, that whenever he was hung, that that would have been a scent that people could smell. There's a scent that the church is supposed to have. And it's the beauty of that fivefold ministry that is equipping us to live in good unity. So I love that. I love just even in, you know, everything is so super intentional with him. It's amazing. Um, okay, I'm just going to read on. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This harmony can be compared to the dew dripping from Mount Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. 
Instead, that is where Yahweh has decreed, indeed, not instead, I'm sorry. Indeed, that is where Yahweh has decreed his blessing will be found, the promise of life forevermore. It's so good. It's so good. You know, our unity has a smell. Remember how um, I had talked about um, whenever I was talking about honey and how all the bees have, they have a dance and there's a scent. They have a scent that they put off and they'll let you know where, um, let not, not let us know, but let the other bees know where, I'm kidding, um, where the pollen is. And <clears throat> so it is with us. The body of Christ has a scent that we're supposed to release. That is the beauty of unity. Whenever we come together unified, we have a beautiful aroma to the king. And we also have it to the lost people, and they can smell our unity. They can smell. It's kind of like your kids if you're married. Your kids can know if there's not a, uni a unity going on in the family unit. Words don't have to be spoken. There's a feel to it. So it is with the church. Our ability to unify has a scent to the world. And so if you um, are used to kind of whenever somebody's speaking to you or preaching or whatever, and if it goes through a filter that do I believe in that or um, more of a critical type of a thing that you hear information, that actually puts off a scent as well. And so our ability to um, trust him, to trust people, and unify over what is the common goal is really a very powerful, powerful thing that we can do. It's not, if we are outside in judgment or whatever, whatever all those things are that cause you to get outside the places of unity, that actually makes us susceptible to the enemy. I love, if you just picture um, being under a waterfall, I look at unity like that. Like whenever there is great unity and I am with people and I am solid with them, I am under this waterfall of blessings. It's beautiful because I actually get what you've worked for and you get what I've worked for. That's the beauty of unity. But if you stand on the outer and you're looking in, and you're picking apart what you don't agree with or you don't want to do, whatever, that takes you outside and then you're not under that waterfall of blessing that he wants to give you. And I've noticed that um, orphan-minded people are a lot harder to get in unity. If you are an orphan, then orphan-minded, you're not an orphan, but if you still have an orphan mind, then you will battle for your positions. You will be critical of others. You will um, have a hard time celebrating people. And then if, if other people do get celebrated, then you can be jealous of what they have because there's only one piece of pie and they just got that piece of pie. I actually had a dream about that the other day, that there was a whole... There's a whole pie store 
And I know, right? That's just a dream, isn't it? And there was a whole pie store and there, there was a line, there is a line of Christians and they were going to get to the pie, but then they were getting ready to close. And so they started fighting to see who was going to get up front to get their piece of pie. I was like, oh, Jesus, help us, help us, help us, help us. That right there is a great example of not being unified. Because see, unity means that I get to celebrate what you have. I get to celebrate your life. I get to celebrate where you are and champion you, even if you're getting the very things that I actually want. See, can you, whenever you see somebody else getting something that you're really wanting, maybe it's the attention. Maybe somebody got some attention and then you're like, yeah, I want that. So then you kind of push your way through to make sure you talk to somebody so you can get attention. How well do you do at preferring somebody else? Do you love to celebrate other people or do you long for the celebration? See, whenever I am so fully, um, so fully engulfed in how much I'm loved and how much I am valued, how much um, just the placement I have with him, then it is so easy for me to want to give that away to somebody else. But if I'm deficient and if I'm going to be looking for somebody else to give that to me, then I will insert myself and prefer something that somebody else is getting. And that really, that really hurts the unity of a tribe. And so I loved it. Did everybody see, um, that new little uh, sign that's outside at, um, at the in, at the exit or entrance. You can come in or out in that door. It goes both ways. Um, it's, re- it's really cute. <laughs> it's cute. It says, like, find your tribe and love them hard or love them well or something. So if you have found your tribe, then the greatest thing you can do is learn how you can learn how to champion other people and prefer other people. And and you may really need, you may really need something. You may really have needs and it's not wrong to have needs. You just get them met properly, but you're willing to allow other people to go ahead of you, to, um, you know, not be jealous, to prefer them, um, to not just, uh, you know, be afraid they're going to take your seat or things like that. So these are just all places that um, it affects the ability to unify as a people. I love what Teresa was talking about. Um, I think it was uh, last Wednesday when, um, yeah, it was Wednesday because um, Tuesday we had the healing room. And how when there's a group of people that are so leaning into something, like how that is such a magnet to the Holy Spirit, like it is that way. It, it's in our worship, but it's also in our ability to love each other. 
When we are leaning into loving and celebrating and we're not concerned about what we're getting and all that, man, that is an attraction to the Godhead. Like that right there, if you want it, that's why that's why he says the first will be last and the last will be first. Because if you want to come in and be the last, man, everybody doing that, not a weird preferring, you know, that's an extreme, okay? You're with me that we're being, okay, I don't have to, okay, perfect. If we're, if we're leaning in and we're really, really um, loving each other well, that has a scent to the Holy Spirit. That has a scent and it has a scent to others. It has a scent when people come in, they can feel how well we love each other. And see, I know that that's the game changer for this house. It's so cute, you know, little Roly, he he comes into he comes into our house and he walked in one day and he said, "I love the way this house feels." Mind you, it's not in a great position because there's all kinds of stuff that we're tearing up and messing up, but he feels that spirit of camaraderie. He feels that spirit of unity that is so attractive. And he's just a little boy, and he feels it. He knows it. And so, you know, it's so cute because he just loves just to come. Like, you know, I don't have a ton of stuff to do. And he's just like, I just love to just come because he picks up on what's going on in the spirit realm. What were the kind of uh, choices that we make attract the spirit realm? It, it attracts it. So if you are being self-centered or anything like that, that has an attraction. But it's not the kind that we want. It is a different kind. And so how can you just begin to, and maybe you're doing, maybe this is great for you. Maybe this isn't even, this isn't even a thing. You've got it going on. You're good. You, you know how to unify. Maybe I'm talking to somebody else, but if you struggle to really be able to come into unity, especially if maybe you don't believe the same way, then it would really suit you very well. First off, if you need some help to figure out how to navigate that, but it would really do you good to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I'm truly needing that you can give me that will help me live in a unified fashion with people? See, I think a lot of times in order to be unified, people think that you have to think the same way. You have to have exactly the same beliefs. You don't. You really don't. In in a service, like, you know, we may love the presence and we may, you know, just be so hungry for him. But if somebody doesn't completely believe 100%, That's not a place you have to break off and go find somewhere else because you will forever find places that you don't agree with 100% because you're human and you have all these parts and all these parts, you know, chances are they get all jacked up. And so then if you're trying to get, you're trying to find somebody to connect to and everything's got to be just perfect. Well, you stepped onto the scene and so now it's not perfect anymore. Yep. It's real. It's real. So 
just like in, in 133, Psalm 133. So just like whenever the oil is coming from here and it goes all the way down, that is, if you compare that to our spirit man and our, our, um, our spirit, soul, and body, our spirit, soul, and body are supposed to be all in one, just like the oil is able to flow right down. That's the way our lives are meant to be. So everybody knows that we have a soul, right? What is a soul? Very, very well. So, so we have mind, will, and emotions. We have a body and we have a spirit. So if we want for all those attributes to be in perfect working order together, then we've got to look at the different parts that maybe aren't. So if you, if your soul, if your mind, will, and emotions don't line up with what the word says, it doesn't line up with truth, then you have to get that stuff cleaned up so that that oil, it goes straight down. You're not all bumpy. You're not all have a bunch of dams. It's a, it's a place where you're just, you're centered in all of your ways. Your spirit lines up to your soul. Your soul lines up to your spirit man, your, I mean, to your body. You're not all disconjointed and misfigured. Um, let's, go to, let's go to Galatians, uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I'm reading out of passion. I am reading out of passion, but the passion translation. It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings Hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. So let's look at this. So you have um, the moment that you chose to surrender your life and you made Jesus Lord. And... What happened? Your spirit man came alive. You were dead and now you're alive. So your spirit is alive, but then reality check. And then you've got this other weird thing that you have to learn how to have that come under the submission of the spirit. And so the submission of the spirit is... The not um, not submitting to your flesh's every desire, and instead craving what pleases the Holy Spirit. It's not it's not like rocket science. It's really it's really easy. Whenever we choose to make Him Lord, He will show us where He's not Lord of, because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will tell us. Hey, listen, chick, you need to get this in order because I don't like this. This doesn't match up with me. This doesn't look like Jesus. And so every place, if you have trauma, well, you got to get healed from trauma. Trauma isn't fatal. 
Trauma is not fatal. Trauma is just a magnet for a touch from the Godhead. And the more that I trust him over the fear of trauma, then I get my heart centered and knowing that he's got me. I know that a lot of people struggle with unity because of trust issues. I don't trust people. No, it's not true that you don't trust people. You don't trust God. Let's get that. Let's make that real. Because if you trusted God, then you weren't concerned about what people could do because we know what God can do. So the whole trusting people, let's call it for what it is. If you say that, instead of saying, I don't trust people, you can say, I struggle to trust God. I know, I know, I used to, my thing that I used to say was, well, I trust God. I just don't trust me. Like, I don't trust what I'll do. I don't trust that I'll do it right. That's, I'm still not trusting God. I can, that, I, that can get all messed up and sound holy. Like, no, I trust God. It's me. No, that's not, that, I don't trust God. Because if I trust God, I trust his fathering over me, and I trust him to keep taking me into glory and glory. And so it, I, it's not true. At the heart of things, if you trust dad, then you can trust others. And if you struggle with trusting dad, well, that just needs a sozo, maybe more than one. But it's not fatal. You don't have to let it be fatal. Okay, let's see. I'm going back to Galatians. Um, I'm just going to recap. Let's recap, shall we? Um, when your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living freely within you. That makes me say yuck because I want him to have freedom to live through me. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Say obvious. obvious. Let's break it down. Sexual or immorality. Lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way. People getting raises and such, people getting promotions, get out of my way, I wanted that place. Um, <clears throat> I lost my way. Yeah, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Come on, cholerics, get your feet out there. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Hold on a second. I love that murder is also with thinking of yourself 
or being in love with your opinions. See, sometimes we can think, oh, well, that over there is worse. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh -uh. No, no, it's all lumped in there together. It's all lumped in there together. Any, anything that's of the enemy is opposing God. It's super simple. And so then if we allow things in, if we are crying out for him to have every bit of us, God, I just, I'm so hungry for you. I want more. I want my life to just be beautiful before you. Well, we can't ingest or do things that oppose him. And so it's super simple. If you don't know, if, if you're saying that you don't know if things that you do, man, it's written here and there's just like all kinds of ways you can read it. It's like you can do the digital version. You could do the paper version. You can do any, any of the many different versions and it's going to tell you the same thing. So you can, you can see, okay, God, am I doing anything that prevents my spirit and my soul from being in alignment with you. And your thing is not going to be my thing. I know my things. I know what I can do that get me out of a place of unity with people. Do you know what you can do? I feel it. There is nothing, nothing feels better than being in unity. Man, it's unity in your soul Unity in your spirit, unity in your body, unity with the body. Man, that feels so good. And that is available to anybody and everybody. Um, let's go to 22. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love and all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. 24. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. Man, we didn't have to climb up there and do it ourselves. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. How many? Mm -hmm. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. That's how our soul comes into good alignment with our spirit. That's actually how our body comes in line with our spirit and our soul. When, I don't know if you know this, this is going to be really a groundbreaking comment or 
thought, whatever, that whenever you have things in your life, such as jealousy, all that kind of stuff, that is an open door for your body to be attacked by the enemy. When we have things that are undealt with in our heart, then that becomes an open door. I know they have done um, a lot, a lot of studies on what trauma does to a body, how so many things that we experience in our body is caused by unhealed things in our souls. We are, we are this beautiful, beautiful three-part being. But if it's not in unity, then it gets all jacked up. And I, if I'm not all in unity, it's going to be hard for me to get unified up with you. Because then I will have things that I, just what I've said already, maybe I have needs that I'm wanting to get filled, or maybe I have low self-esteem, and so then it's hard for me to be with you because you get more attention, or whatever, whatever it is. There's so many things. But the more that I can be whole in myself then I can stand with somebody else and we can become this force that the enemy cannot break through. So we don't want to allow things in our, in our mind, in our heart that oppose God because that are, that's the things that allows entrance that the enemy will use to cause division. And we, any place that the enemy has division, it, you know, it's like that little crack, you know, how just that crack in a door, you know, just gets in there and then just more things until it gets bigger and bigger. We have to deal with things in us that would cause us to not be in alignment with the Godhead and within ourselves. Because we are meant to flow with him. We're meant to be unified. It's crazy that we've got three parts and they all need to come together, but he said we can and we can. So, you know, check yourself and you can just talk to him about places if you're not completely unified with what the word says. Um, Um, I'm going to read out of Colossians 3, and I'm going to jump over to the message. So I'm going to go to 3, 12 through 17. It says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, say life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Isn't that fun? Compassion, kindness, humility, Quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Dang, that's good right there, isn't it? Are y'all content with second place? Content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, Wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. 
never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the same manner of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. That's good right there. That is so good. Love, 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 love. You know, if you want to walk in love, you're going to have to do really good about forgiving others. I find I have a lot of conversations about people and forgiveness. It is huge. If you don't forgive, it is like having big, huge ball and chain on your ankle and you're trying to live life with that thing attached to you. Trying to go swim with it on, trying to go hang out at birthday parties with it on, trying to come to church with that thing on, trying to jump up and down and worship with that thing on. It entangles you, and it is impossible to get rid of if you don't forgive. I was talking to somebody the other day about it, and my heart was really, really grieved because when when we have trauma, when we have pain, if we don't recognize that Jesus is the payment for it, then we will look for payment elsewhere. We'll, we'll, we'll look for it. The people that have wronged us, they can't do enough to make it right. I mean, there's not enough sorries. There's not enough presents. There's not enough acts of service. There's not enough you can do if somebody won't forgive. And so listen to me, hear me. It is not optional. It's not optional. As a matter of fact, he says that if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. And so just like whenever you're being all stinky and you're not being kind to people, just like you want to go to him and say, oh, please forgive me for that. Check yourself if you're standing in a place where you won't forgive somebody else, but then you're saying, please forgive me. It's, it's, it's not, it is a really serious issue. I've, I've said it before. Anytime I've ever been in a sozo where I was in a block with somebody, me being the facilitator, and I couldn't get anywhere, we were stumped, couldn't move, I would say I cannot think of a time that there wasn't a place of unforgiveness somewhere. 
it will mess up and derail you. And so it is not something to play around with. It is something to rid yourself as quickly as an offense comes. Man, you got to get on that thing. I may have offended you today. That something I said could have just made you mad and you're all offended. Man, you got to forgive if it offends you. First, you got to see how to apply it. But anyway, that's beside the point. But you've got to be quick. Man, I got to let that thing go. I got to let it go. Got to let it go. Got to let it go. And it is not a one-time decision. Because if, if you have a steadier of you, do you know that just like the Holy Spirit, Dad, Jesus, they know you? That's not the only, those aren't the only spirits that know you. Demonic spirits know you. They know your patterns. They know what trips you up. They know you. They have studied you. You are a student of theirs. And so they will make things happen that is going to offend you. It's just what happens. It may happen before you leave. And if you're not quick to say, oh, I let that go, man, I forgive that. I don't want that to hold me at all. That is so not worth any kind of something on me. I let it go. I let it go. And you may have to let that thing go 10,000 times in a single day. Because, see, since the enemy is a student of you, he is really good at throwing darts. Excellent at it. He's a marksman. Boom. He knows. And so then he'll he'll throw some thoughts your way. And it just may be constant. Get plump. Ugh, dang, thought after thought after thought. It's like, oh, Jesus. Sometimes when you're in a battle, whenever you're learning how to take, take new territory in your life, there may be a battle there and you have to be prepared for it. So if you have a plan, uh, um, a uh, scene, keep playing over and over and over in your head. Does any, has anybody ever had that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Every time it happens, I forgive that. I forgive that. I forgive it. I forgive it. I forgive it. And then once you keep doing that, then you can go into a place of, oh, daddy, bless them. Daddy, they didn't even know what they were doing. They are so, they were so completely ignorant. They didn't know. Maybe and maybe they even did know. And if they did know, then that's the place that says, oh, God, please help them. Help them, help them, help them, Daddy. Don't let their souls perish, Daddy. Help them, help them. You move into a place of just being on the um, defense of trying to protect yourself, but going into offense on how can you begin to pray for some, somebody that hurt you. Can you pray for somebody that hurt you? See, you know, I had I had a father that he abused me and um for a lot of years. I actually chased him around the kitchen with a knife one time. I hated him. I hated him. I whenever I would just think of him, I had just so much anger, anger, anger. And I remember when I started going through healing and I began to let go and forgive, something really interesting happened to me. The Holy Spirit started showing me where it came in for him. 
And then my heart began to grieve for him. It began to, oh, that's horrible. He was so not deserving of that. And then I went from a place of being so angry at him to a place where I began to pray for him. And so now, whenever I've seen him, there was absolutely no, not one negative thing in me. I had nothing, nothing at all. I had compassion. I had compassion. So now it's so funny. Whenever I think of him, it's like the trauma of that is it's so far gone. Like it, that sting is nowhere on me. It has no, it has no home in me. There, there is nothing here. And so then I'm free to help somebody else that their dad abused them. And I can do that, and I can do it knowing what God can do. And so then I stand in a place of power, and I can bring deliverance, and I can bring freedom because that thing doesn't have a hold on me anymore. And see, that, that's, that is the beautiful thing of forgiveness. That is the beautiful thing of standing before him, allowing your life to just be in his face, just standing there, letting him tell you, hey, son, hey, daughter, you got to let that thing go. You got to let it go. Take on my image. Let me show you what I'm like. Let me show you what my face looks like to them. When you're doing that, man, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You know what then is really funny? Now I've got to this new place in life that I don't regret anything. I don't have any regrets. Does that mean that the pain that I cause, that I, that I devalue it? Oh, no. I'm very well of the pain I caused. Very aware. But I am so more aware of him, and I'm so more aware of his ability to heal and to deliver that then I don't have to live in regret. I don't have to live in, man, like, that was all junk. It was rubbish. It was horrible. It was. It was all that. But I've seen his face. I have seen his face. And so I know just as the pain that I caused, he will heal another He'll heal, he'll heal my daughter because she got to experience my junk. It happened all over her. And so now it's her journey to walk and stand face to face with him and learn who he is and learn that he is so good and that he will heal everything that got broken. And so, so now her and I can stand together She's forgiven me, and she has chosen to not hold anything against me. And so then I am just so free to live powerfully before him. That's the beauty of being unified in your heart. It doesn't mean that I've done everything perfect because I absolutely have not. But I just know the Savior, and he is more real to me and my pain, he's more real to me than the trauma drama that I had and I gave. He is so much more real to me. And I know that I know that he will always be good. 
He will always, always be good. This isn't some slogan that I've read about. This is what I have lived. I have seen it. Although I don't have my two girls with me and I don't have my other grandchildren, I know that I know that I know there will come a time that he will be the recompense. And I know that. I know it. So then the pain, the pain of what I've missed will also be swallowed up in the goodness of who he is. That's what God can do. That's what God can do with your past, with your mistakes, with your kids' mistakes. He is good and he will always be good and you can trust him. But you have got to make sure that you do what you're supposed to do while you're standing and believing. You've got to allow your soul to undergo a complete transformation so that you can think clearly and so that your life can be a billboard for others to see. And you don't want to be a billboard for pain. You want to be a billboard for the goodness of God being displayed through you and your actions. And that is what one life can do. You can be a billboard for all the other people that experience the same pain that you had. You can be a billboard of what a surrendered life can look like. You don't do that by being passive and just saying, oh, anything goes. No, you do that by confronting yourself. You confront the smallness in you. You confront the things in you that don't line up. You confront everything in you that doesn't match his face. Whenever you do that, that is a place where the oil can just come and flow out. And I love because it talks about Zion, Zion's people. And it can just come and it can flow over everybody you come in contact with. But that's not, that's not for those that won't deal with what you have going on inside your heart. You cannot tuck it away and hide it. You have got to confront yourself. And that's where God can heal. He loves, man, hiders, 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 hiders. It does not work. Hiding does not help you. It does not change anything. People can still see your stuff. You just act like you're all good. Everybody's like, yeah, but you stink. You are stinky and you are cutting me with your sharp edges. Hiding does not work. You need to confront yourself. And if you love each other, you need to confront each other. Say, hey, listen, your breath stinks. You need to have that looked at because in this perfect place of unity, that doesn't go. That right there isn't mixing well. That is that as whenever we were praying for Teresa, that's what I was seeing is that everybody owns their piece of the pie. So if I am coming into contact with somebody and they're being stinky, I don't just say, oh, yeah, go talk to somebody about that. No, you say, hey, that is stinky to me. And I don't like what you're talking about. I don't like the way you just talked to them. That wasn't okay. That is the community being self-sustaining. That's how the culture of honor remains a culture of honor that you, each person, you are the sum of the whole. And so if you are active, if you are in unity, if you are in movement and you're loving your brothers and sisters around you, then you've got to call things as you see them. I give you permission. For me, I give you permission. If I have done something that hurts, I give permission, anybody, you can come and tell me and I'll make it right. You have permission. Everybody should be able to say the same thing. 
Don't be so small that people can't tell you what you're really like with them. I love, I love, I mean, gosh, it's, it's, we've talked about it for years, but I love that I can go to somebody and say, hey, what's it like being in a relationship with me? What's your experience like? So you may need to do that. You may need to go to some people and say, hey, what's it like being in a relationship with me? Do I uplift you? Do I make you feel good? Do I challenge you? Do I instruct you? Do I help you? Or am I mean and curt? Or do I feel like you're an inconvenience? It's good to ask people that. God is wanting to love people through you. Through you. You're the source. You're the conduit of his love. He wants to go out. You're not a swamp. You don't just get it all and hold it in. You, You take in You let it change you, and then you give it away. Just keep giving it away. Just keep giving it away. If you are so self-consumed with you, you're a swamp. Whatever comes in stays, and then it gets stinky because you're not applying it. You're not. It just becomes more information for you to have. Whenever God begins to change you, there's an outlet. And so if you're just taking information and then it doesn't, it doesn't change you, it doesn't change the way you think, it doesn't change the way you treat people, it doesn't change the way that you feel inside, then you need to check because there's something else that's out of whack. Because whenever he comes in and he speaks, it begins to change the way you are and then there's an outlet. There's an, you're an outlet for him. You are an outlet for him. I don't want to just keep asking him for more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. I want to do something with what I've been given. The more that I do something with what I've been given, he gives me more. He gives me more. He gives me more. He gives me more. And so if you want more, be a steward and do something with what he gives you. You have a whole group of people and you have a whole world out there that would love what you have. If you smell good. If you don't smell good. Get on some good smelling stuff and smell good. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Change the way you feel. This is all doable. This isn't hard. It takes work. It is work. It's work. It's work. Whenever you're getting all beat down with stupid thoughts, it is work that you have to say, nope. I take that thing right there, and I say no to that. That is a filthy lie. I don't take that one. Nope, that's gone. Oh, that one? Nope, that's not. I'm not taking that one either. And then you begin to feast on what God has spoken over you. I don't know if anybody got a chance to listen to Bill from last Sunday. It is so good. It's so good. It's about your mind. Although he talks about create, it's creativity part two. But um, he talks about how if you are so aware— 
of the lies that that come against you, you have to be more aware of the truth that it's being filled with. And if you're not more aware of the truth, then it's like you become just so used to um, just living in response to lies. You know, so then, so then lie comes and you respond, lie comes and you respond. Then the enemy is the one that actually is dictating all of your moments. Cause see, cause see, it's not enough to just say, yeah, okay, that's not it. No, you've got to say, oh man, God, why is that even a, why is that even a place that it can take hold in me? Why can't that thing just go voom? Why is it that it's poking me? If it's poking you, then God needs to come in and he needs to give you something else to help you not get poked. I don't know. Um, it's so good because, you know, the sort of the spirit, how I think I always thought of it as like a big, huge knife, which we've, you know, this isn't necessarily new. We've known this for a while. But, um, you know, I always thought it was like this big, huge sword, you know, like a big old huge thing. And Bill's talking about, no, it's actually a it's actually a dagger that would be used for hand to hand combat. And so then actually what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to dig out and pull out. So then it takes the lights, takes the arrows the darts of the enemy, and it takes it out and it pulls it out. And then the um, the word has to come in and fill it until then that filling is so much greater than any lie. And so that's what we have to do with our inner man. If we want to be congruent in unity in here so that I can do it well here, I've got to be able to go and say, okay, God, I've got this going on in my heart. I need you to come. And get this out for me. And listen, to the degree of maturity you have, if you're not very mature, chances are you can't do this by yourself. You're going to need help until you get a little bit stronger to then be able to navigate and weather the storms. And so, you know, you don't have to ever do it alone. But I, I found that, um, you know, chances are you're just going to need help. And if it's a, if it's a new battleground for you of overcoming, you're going to probably need extra help. And that's not bad. That's good. That's the unity. That's the church in action that, that I have been healed of this. And so I can help heal you. I know what it's like for you. I've been there. I've walked it. I can, I can help you get out of this place. And that is the beauty of unity of the church. But before I go, I just want to say, um, I feel like that just one other thing that I want to address that, you know, unity doesn't mean that you turn your brain off and you just don't think. Because, see, I found that this is another thing that happens, that it's like people don't want to be responsible for them and the way they think and the way that they live. And so then it's easier to just, what do you think? Okay, I'll go with that. Instead of really knowing, knowing the truth for you and being able to live powerfully from it. There's an anointing that comes when you have an experience of something. That's why whenever it talks about um, the law, the law is external, and so then I can have some head knowledge of what you should do. But if I've had an encounter and experience with it, then I can actually own that. And then I can live from that place powerfully instead of just being, okay, well, just because you said it, I'll think it and I'll do it and whatever. 
I'll just go with it, that is, it's just not good and it's not healthy. You've got to know why you believe the way you believe. You've got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. You've got to do it with purpose and with a plan. And that is what sets you up to have um, an anointing and have some stability that I'm not just tossed around with whoever I'm with. No, I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. And I know where I'm going. And man, imagine a people, everybody feels the same way. Like everybody is strong in them. They're not insecure. They know who they are. That is powerful. That's that kind of unity. The enemy is deathly afraid of it. He is so afraid. So you have to remember you are who you are and you are the way that you are because it has great value and great purpose. Don't try and imitate somebody else. Don't try and meld in to another person. You be you and you being you is that other puzzle piece that's needed to make a fuller, more beautiful picture. We don't need introverts to be extroverts. We don't need extroverts to be introverts. We need introverts to be introverts that can stand up for themselves. And we need extroverts to be extroverts that won't run over everybody else. And if we're all doing that, man, isn't that beautiful? It, it looks like a beautiful picture. I don't really love puzzles a whole lot. They they annoy me and it's too much and it gets on my nerves. And so, but they're pretty. I love to look at them after they're done. And I, I like to do the outer pieces. I'm good with those. I like that. I'll do those. But the whole other thing, oh man, it's just not my thing. But the picture is beautiful. Once it's done, it looks beautiful. And so all of us together in unity, we all go together beautiful Make a beautiful picture and a beautiful picture of power. So remember to really allow the Holy Spirit to come in and talk to you. If anything got pinged and highlighted for you, it's just a place to talk to him about. Yes. And watch him move. Won't he do it? You will. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.